Welcome to the Kingdom Convos podcast. This is your host, Diane Wong, and I believe that the best story to share is your story. Featuring church and industry leaders, practitioners, and other guest speakers, our goal is to make conversation on God's kingdom through storytelling. I pray that these conversations would ripple out into your local communities, organizations, and beyond. Hi, Ian. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Of course, Diane. So for those of you who don't know who Ian is, we actually went to college together, Life Pacific University, and he lives in Colorado now. He works for a university there, so that's awesome. And today we will be talking about fully embracing our humanity. And this topic kind of grew out of a conversation that we had around a week or two ago, and I'm going to let Ian take it from here. All right. About a week ago, um, Diane and I were just catching up and just seeing how we're doing in the midst of just all the quarantine and things that's happening around the world. And, um, and we just started talking about this conversation of what it means to be humans, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked you, like, Diane, like, when you hear the word humanity, what comes to mind? And Diane said, sin. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I'm always impressed by what people say when they respond to that question, because I think it shows a lot about where they're at in this walk. You know, I get different responses from different people. Like one of them said, like, I mean, yeah, I consider all the things that are bad and evil and dark, but also there's so much beauty in being a human. And I'm like, wow, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad that you have started off this, this walk better than I already have. Because when I thought about like, where does, when I think of the word humanity, what comes to mind? And it's like, wow, like, very dark and very flesh and very it's like going down a path that's just not good right and I was just like whoa like that's not that's insane that that's where I started in, in this whole journey of what it of what it means to celebrate our humanity so about last month no two months ago in February um I was just kind of chopping it up with the Lord and seeing like okay God like where are we out with this like um here I am like just kind of like embattled by a lot of insecurities at that moment this passage just came out of my heart and it's really set off this journey for me to really figure out what it means to be human and i'll read it from my journal tuesday february 25th 2020 um self-dependency is futile a confidence rooted in the lord will bear fruits beyond what the greatest minds can think of or imagine it's not because it'll be grander than anything else we have ever seen but simply because the lord and all of his grandeur has chosen us broken vessels to bring heaven to earth. We will never be enough without his spirit. Never lose the joy of your humanity for this is the design the Lord has ordained to commune with us and one another. For us to tap into the fullness of eternity, we must be like a tree planted by a river, drawing life from the living water rather than being dependent on outside sources for nourishment. Um, I was reading a book called Abbas Child, um, written by Brennan Manning. In one of the chapters, there's literally a sliver in the middle of the book that's such embedded and impressed my heart, I can never stop thinking about it. Um, Where the author of the book went on a seven-day retreat to the mountains, and all he did was dig into the book of John, right? He just dug dug into the book of John and um, really figured out, okay, Lord, this is where we're at. We're going to meet right here. The entire week that the author just dug into um, the book of John, he said only one thing popped out this entire week for me. And I've read through the book of John over and over and over again. And he brings us to um, John 13, verse 23, where it says, 
um, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured him and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said, Lord, who is it? Right? So it's this almost insignificant moment in the Lord's Supper, but where we see John, who's writing this autobiographical um, book about Jesus, says, I was leaning on Jesus's bosom. He was leaning on Jesus's chest, right? And I ask you in a conversation, Diane, when was the last time you heard someone's heartbeat? There was that intimacy. There was that, that love and care. And there was that moment where John fully realized how the Lord looked at him, where he walked in the fullness of who he is, being the beloved of Jesus, was so comfortable around his presence, so much so that he was on his chest hearing his, his, his heartbeat. What a beautiful moment. And then I just figured, oh my goodness, what a privilege and honor it was for John to hear Jesus' heartbeat, right? Like Jesus had a heartbeat. I think we and the people in the church, we've heard it so many times over and over and over again of people, of, of pastors and leaders saying, hey, God became human for us. And we, as a baby, and we need to celebrate that. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But it wasn't until this moment that I realized, oh my gosh, like Jesus had a heartbeat. I have a heartbeat. You have a heartbeat. The person, my neighbors have heartbeats. Suddenly this paradigm of me looking at humanity being so dark and so evil and so disgusting and, and falling apart, right? Suddenly this paradigm of humanity changed for me. Like Jesus, God, the creator of anything, of everything seen and unseen, became human being, had a heartbeat. And the truth is, one of the greatest equalizers that we have on this earth is the fact that we're all human beings. If you cut me, if someone cuts you right now, we're, all, we're both going to bleed, right? That's one of the greatest equalizers that we have here on earth. The, the fact that the person who's not a Christian, I can still relate to them just because I'm a human being. And you know who I can't relate to? A dog, a cat, a bird, any other created things just because we're not on the same level. Sure, I can tell the cat to come here and let me pet you, right? Or, or I can let, let a dog come here and sit in my lap and relate to them in that way, but I can never relate to them in a way that I can relate to another human being. We don't have that equality with other created beings aside from other humans. I think that's like one of God's plans for us as the church is to leverage our humanity to let other people know about who he is. So today's Good Friday, and in my time with the Lord today, um, he just really impressed within my heart. Ian, so many people on this earth isn't experiencing me the way that you're experiencing me. Ian, you understand the value of what it means for me to reign in your heart. You understand the value of what it means to walk with me so intimately and closely. And you know what? So many people out there, they can never experience that right now. Because no one was, no one's able to tell them and just said this, you must be moved by compassion for those that can't experience me in the same way that you are. And truthfully, as human beings, as someone who can relate with one another, we have the greatest honor and privilege to say, you know what? I'll never understand. I'll never fully grasp what it means to walk in your shoes, but I can't understand it because I'm a human being. Though I can never relate to 
um, that trauma that happened to you or um, that relationship that you've been engaged with. Though I can never fully understand what that means. As a human being, I can maybe, maybe just understand a little bit, right? Because these are my traumas. These are, our, these are my walk of life that I have. And you know what got me through this? You can, you can point someone to Jesus just because we're human beings. Our greatest equality is the fact that we're all human beings. And in the same measure that I can relate and I can experience something, so can you. Hmm. And so can that person right beside you. And so can that person in your, in your neighborhood, in, in, in the market, in the subway, wherever you find yourself, so can they just because they're also human beings. So this, this journey, I mean, I'm so very fresh in it, but it's a journey that's really helped me recognize what it means to be human being and how that's so different from what it means to be a human being and know Christ. And in this light, I'm able to leverage what it means to be a human being just because Jesus, the creator of all things seen and unseen, became human being. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, just a blurb of what's been happening in my life. Um, and it's been pretty fun. Wow, Ian, that was really insightful. And honestly, we could probably end the podcast episode there. And someone listening to this episode would probably take something new away. Um, to think about, but we are going to dig a little bit deeper. So if you don't mind sharing, could you tell us a story about a time you were faced with your humanity and how did you respond and process through that? And how did God meet you there? Really good question, Diane. Um, one of the moments, it's one of my favorite moments and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I think it's going to make sense after I, th- I talk about it, but um, I was probably six five or six and it was just my mom and my um my mom and myself um, in our house in the philippines and i was watching my favorite tv show then um once upon a time it's literally like these crazy stories about like folklore like any just it was one of my favorite shows and my mom um owned a business in the philippines where she actually had a boba stand at a university because she was also a professor at the university and it was the beginning of his business venture. And she was just making boba pearls in our second kitchen. We had two kitchens, but one in the front and one in the back. One was like a dirty kitchen. Um, I don't know why. Like the Philippines were so weird that we needed two kitchens. But in the dirty kitchen, um, she was making boba, like for the first time. Like she got the boba pearls. She got honey. She was brewing in the back, just making these boba pearls in the, um, for hours on, just trying to figure out how to do it, right? And I remember while I was watching the show, she just comes running to me with like a bowl and a spoon. And she said, try these. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Like at this point, I've never had boba before. What, what is this? It's black pearls, gooey, it's like shiny. And she just says, try this. And I had it and it was incredible, (laughs) right? Duh, it's boba. (laughs) And I just remember telling her like, wow, this is really good. And the memory kind of fades thereafter. I don't know why that's the memory that came to mind first when I think about the word humanity. Um, Literally, this is the first time I've thought about that word actually like what memory comes to mind or like what comes to my mind now after this journey 
like also that is one of my favorite memories of my mom like what a sweet moment it was for her to like be so proud about something that she made <clears throat> giving it to me and saying like hey try this that so provides context so much context in my life as to why i'm so close with my mom and how much that journey has gone through its ups and downs to where january 15th of 2020 just a quick overview my mom came here in 2003 um and she's been here in the states since then um i came here in 2005 um and my family just kind of decided hey we're gonna keep you here um or you're gonna keep your mom company because she doesn't have family here like immediate family so since 2005 i've been here um and so it's just been me, me and my mom from 2005 to literally 2020, right? And January 15th of 2020 was when she decided, you know what? I want to go back to the Philippines. I want to go back for good. And, um, and I say for good um, for different reasons. And we can certainly talk about it at a different time. But um, in January 2020, January 15th of 2020, I was never going to see my mom for at least the next 10 years of my life. And that was a lot of heartbreak. That was a lot of celebration because my mom gets to move on with her life again. But that moment of my mom and I separating provides context also to why that memory back when I was six was so sweet. Because not only was boba was, was sweet and delicious and gooey, but also that set off this journey for me to really value my relationship with my mom. Now, as I reflect on it, what a very human characteristic for us to do that. So much so that in reading Jesus' story in the cross today, while he was hanging on the cross, even at the moment of his greatest despair, he tells John, John, see my mom, Mary? Consider her as your mom. She's your family now. You're going to take care of her. What a human instinct for us to do that and for Jesus to do that. And that's something that we can share with literally this moment of me recognizing why my relationship with mom is so important. Like guess whose relationship with their mom is also really important. <laughs> so that's such a crazy, probably not the answer you were looking for. Literally not the answer I was certainly thinking of. Um, in our humanity, it just goes on to show it's not always butterflies and rainbows that in the fullness of our humanity also has stories of, of sorrow and um, great sadness. Um, and that's just something that we must embrace as human beings. I think Jesus showed us exactly how to go about that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ian. And um, I think that as our conversation progresses, I'm just realizing more and more that there's just so many different angles to our humanity there's sorrow there's joy there's sin there's flesh but then there's also justification and you know the cross so it's just so interesting how there's so many different faces to humanity and so many different ways you can approach it for you personally what does it mean exactly for you to embrace your humanity yeah no that's really good this journey has proven that that's not easy <laughs> To just fully embrace our humanity. I, I'm just reminded of the passage when, you know, the greatest commandment of all um, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. And I'm sure this is going to circle back around to your question. At least I hope it does. Oftentimes, 
it's easier. I feel as if, uh, at least for me, it's easier for me to love others um, than it is to love myself. You know, like, I don't know. It's just more natural. It's like, hey, I can love you because I only see the best of you, right? But as for me, I see the crap and the, the worst of me and I don't want to talk about that, right? It just got me thinking, if I don't really fully love myself, can I fully love others? Because it literally talks about like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others as yourself. So that journey kind of set me off in, 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 this, in this thought process of like, in your mind's eye, you look at yourself, you look at Ian, you look at Diane, you know, you look at X, Y, and Z. You look at them in the face and can you honestly and truthfully sit in the same, stand in the same room and say, you know what? I love you. You know what, Ian, in all your crazy history and all the people that you've hurt and all the people that you love and all the people you serve and all the people you've served too much, can I truly and fully, full-heartedly say I love you? There was a moment where I said, oh my gosh, like, I can't. I know so much about you. How can I love you? Fast forward to this book that I'm reading, you know, um, John and all his, <laughs> and all his greatness, Sepple John, the author of the book, John, as he writes his book about Jesus, one of um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he wrote the fourth um, gospel. Um, as he writes that book, he oftentimes refers to himself as the beloved, um, the disciple that Jesus loved. And as I talk about this, Diane, like, tell me, if, what do you think of John when he says that? I think the first time that you asked me that, I thought, wow, that guy is really confident in who he is. Yeah, like, right, like, wow, like John, the beloved, as he writes it about himself, right? Yeah. Like, that's so nuts to me to still consider right now. But I do wonder, if we just take a step back, I do wonder if John knew something else that we didn't. John, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, I do wonder if he knew a secret that we just do not yet. So this, again, this journey set me off. It's like, what? Like, how can John just like recognize himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple? Nuts. But I think John fully understood what it meant to be a fully human being and still be loved by Christ. So much so that he's able to write in his book, that I was Jesus's favorite disciple. And you're right when you say like, wow, like he really walked in the, in the identity of Christ in him. He surely did so much so that he recognized all his shortcomings, all of his sin, all of the things that's happened in his life, all the wrong that he's done, all the good that he's done. And he's able to say himself, you know what, John, you're freaking Jesus's favorite disciple and you can't do anything about that. And I do wonder if we can take on the same boldness that John did to recognize of ourselves. I wonder if there's something, I really, I'm wondering, it's not an answer to any question, but I wonder what it would look like for us to fully embrace our humanity of being imperfect, yet perfect in Christ, right? Of fully embracing our humanity, of being chosen, of fully embracing our humanity, of Adam, of inheriting Adam's sin to who we are today, of fully embracing our humanity, so I think of another example where a kid's told by their parents, hey, don't grab this cookie from the cookie jar. And the kid's naivety and, and, and just craving for a cookie, he goes, he or she goes and grabs that cookie from the cookie jar, eats that cookie and cookie jar from the cookie jar. Um, and when the parents get back 
in the same room that the kid is, how do you think the kid's going to respond? You know, of course, he's going to think, oh my gosh, they so know, right? They so know that I got that cookie from the cookie jar. And they almost expect how his or her parents are going to re- are gonna respond to that, that he just acts on that, on that expectation that he had for himself projected mm-hmm. on someone else. How often do we take on that? That's like, oh my gosh, I messed up again. Shoot, I lied again, right? Oh, like, you know, X, Y, and Z, fill in whatever sin you want to fill in in this gap, right? And then suddenly you project how you feel about yourself and how the Lord sees us and say, oh my God, God can't even look at me right now, right? Like, oh my God, like the Lord can't even spend a moment with me right now. Can I just say that that's not true? That God's love is far greater than the what our expectations are or what we project that he feels for us? Like, who are we? Who are we to say, you know what, Lord? This is how you expect, this is what you expect of me. And this is how I failed. And this is how you should respond. So do so. Like what? Hmm, Yeah, that's really good, Ian. And I think that you're so right. Like when you started talking about embracing your humanity and how it's way easier said than done, right? Like it sounds really nice to embrace your humanity fully, but also how hard it is to spend 24 seven with yourself and know every single little weakness your strength, you know every single thing about yourself and how hard it is to truly look in the mirror and say, wow, I love this person. And I think that's a lifelong journey. Just learn to love yourself a little bit more day by day. And I think that also comes from learning to receive from God and his love every single day, little by little. I mean, you've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are some challenges do you think that keep us from embracing our humanity fully? Yeah, I want to talk about one challenge, and I'm certainly not sure if there's going to be two or three. All right, Diane, but here we are. I'm just going to talk about this. Um, Now, again, it's Good Friday today, so it's very fresh in my mind. Um, And I think one of the challenges we can learn from Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, right? Literally, in the Last Supper, um, Jesus told Peter, hey, Peter, bro, you're you know what's going to happen in the next 12 hours? Well, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 hours, but I do, all right? It's going to be a hell of a ride for me. But in this next 12 hours, you're actually going to reject me. You're going to reject me not once, <laughs> not twice, but three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But little did he know that as in that continues, oh, shoot. Did Jesus just sweat blood? Oh, oh, shoot. There's people coming here with knives and they're going to get Jesus. And oh my gosh, now he's before the judges and they're literally going to say that he's so false in what he's saying about himself. Next thing he knows, he denies Jesus one, two, and three times before the rooster crows. And then, you know, the glorious day when Jesus came from the dead, Jesus looks at Peter and then Peter just says, oh my God, God, I'm not worthy. (laughs) I'm so not worthy. I'm so not worthy in the fact that I've followed you all these years. I'm not worthy of what you're telling us to do. I'm not. And we must consider, and we must consider, that Jesus did not feel that way for Peter. Because truthfully, Peter only saw what was happening in this very magnified moment in time, but has not considered 
what has happened before him that the Lord's prepared him for and what's to happen, the fact that he's going to be the, um, the cornerstone of the church. In this moment of disappointment, of guilt and shame, he says, God, I'm not worthy of what you're calling me to. That he forgets the fact that Jesus has been preparing him for this moment and Jesus has something way more for him in the future because Peter has lost sight of how the Lord looks at him. And I do wonder if that is a roadblock for us to consider our humanity fully, that we look at ourselves and respond, that we only look at ourselves and what's happened now. And we pass judgment. We pass. We fully embrace that shame and forget the fact that the Lord's called you for something and he's still taking you somewhere. And it's a journey that we have to walk out. It's a journey of learning and relearning and relearning how the Lord sees us. And two and three, I literally, honestly, that one challenge is enough for three challenges. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) True, true. And yeah, identity in Christ is a huge thing, right? Like if we don't know our identity in Christ, that's the one big challenge that's going to be challenge two, three, four, five. So personally, I believe that friends and mentors and pastors, there's a lot of value in having those people in your lives because they should be the ones reminding you of who you are in Christ when you're not seeing it, right? What are some characteristics or qualities that you look for in friends and mentors to really keep you in check and to make sure that you know who you are in Christ? So when I consider the pillars in my life, my best friends, whatever you want to call them, whatever label you want to slap on them, right? Or my mentors in life. Um, One of the things I consider, so (laughs) vulnerability does not come easy for me. (laughs) Um, There's something about it that scares the crap out of me. There's something about it that literally I scour it and like, oh my gosh, I, I, me? Like, and I've in, in whatever journey I was on a while back and I had to really nail it down, figure out why is vulnerability so hard for Ian, right? And I think one of the things that I've come to, to grips with is being vulnerable, being fully known by someone. And I think that's what I consider in my inner circle is when someone fully knows me, just fully 100%, I have nothing to hide, right? I have those people in my life. I, in one hand, I give them my heart fully. It's like, hey, here's my heart and trust you with my heart. And on the other hand, I give him a weapon, a knife, whatever weapon comes to mind. I give him both of these things for me and say, hey, here's my heart and I trust you with it. And you can either protect it or you can hurt it, but I trust you with it. I think that's what, that's one of the things I look for when I look for, 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 my, for my people is when I'm able to trust them with both. And know that in the moments where I need to be called out on, they'll use that weapon to say, hey, this is going to hurt, but you need to hear this right now. That's a really good illustration, Ian. And I think that you're not alone and that vulnerability is really scary. Um, It's scary for me personally, too. So you're definitely not alone in that. And it's true that, you know, when you bring someone into your life, they have the power to either add value into your life or take away Um, That's definitely something you want to keep in mind when you're looking for friends or mentors. But to wrap up the podcast, if there's a listener out there right now, how would you encourage them 
at this very moment, if they're struggling with their humanity or struggling to be vulnerable, what would you encourage them in? First, I encourage them, find people that, find people that's going to walk this whole journey out with you. Again, we're not designed to walk this out alone. Um, Jesus had his closest friends and Jesus had his, his disciples. He literally had people around himself. Why shouldn't we, right? That's constantly going to cheer us on, prune us. That's going to um, just help us out in this journey to look more like Jesus. Honestly, there's an urgency for you to embrace your humanity. All right. And here's why. When the deep calls to deep, when my heart calls to your heart or a heart that's of someone who doesn't believe in Christ, their heart is yearning and is craving the freedom that's within yours because you know Christ. There's literally so many people out there that needs to hear the gospel in a very human way because there's tons of people that have been hurt by the church or will never step foot in a church, right? But we'll certainly grab coffee with you or we'll, we'll certainly have a meal with you. You know, the very human things that we do every day, caffeine, food, water, drinks, whatever that may be. And there, there's an urgency for them to hear the gospel, man. God's plan A for us is us. <laughs> God's plan A for humanity to be restored and redeemed back to him is us. So yes, absolutely. Um, when you're questioning your humanity, you surround yourself, that's going to affirm you. Because there's an urgency out there for other people who do not know the freedom that we do to hear that freedom and to experience Jesus in his fullness. We must do it for others. We must walk this journey out. We must embrace our humanity because there's a whole world out there dying who needs to hear a living Jesus. That's really good. If not for ourselves, do it for the people who don't know Jesus. And that's why we're here anyway, right? Yeah. That was really good, Ian. And I hope and pray that if you're listening to this podcast right now, you really actually take the time to think about what we said and think about what it means to fully embrace your humanity. But yeah, that was Ian Ascendido on Fully Embracing Our Humanity. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Kingdom Convos. If you liked our conversation, don't forget to subscribe for similar episodes. You can connect with me by following my social media, and you can find that in the details. Remember that your story is the best story to tell, and use every opportunity today to share yours. Thanks for listening.